We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky, and Grayson, you're not going to believe this, he got in trouble because he was racing at this, like, development. Like, it's like a newly housed development, and he got shipped to just another country. Um, Don't know how that's how the law works, apparently, but in his place, we have none other than Scott Nicewander. That's me. That's my name. Ricky, it's so crazy that you said that because now I'm wondering, is Tokyo Drift a story of Griffin's life? <laughs> Grace's life? I call him Griffin. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, yes. Well, th- th- yes. that's that is another uh, reason. Uh, he does not like how his life has been adapted into film. He he's a little sensitive about this movie. And so, because Hobbs and Shaw is making its way into theaters, the Fast and Furious presents uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, Grayson actually did have the great idea. He's like, Tokyo Drift is basically the first Fast and Furious presents. So, it kind of works out. And so, we're reviewing The Fast and The Furious, colon, Tokyo Drift. Any movie that has, like, a paragraph of text in the title, (laughs) I'm a fan. Immediate fan. You know it's going to be a good time. Because you thought The Fast and the Furious was a long title. Let's add two more words. Mm -hmm. So if you uh, are having a hard time remembering uh, Tokyo Drift, uh, I am going to remind you of every last drop of it. So uh, this is the third installment, uh, chronologically release-wise, of the Fast and the Furious franchise. And it stars Lucas Black and was directed by Justin Lin and released in 2006. Now, Lucas Black plays teenager quote-unquote, Sean Boswell, uh, who accumulates some serious motor vehicle violations that could earn him time in jail. Uh, So to keep him out of trouble, he is sent to live with his U.S. naval officer father in Japan and finish school there. The culture clash is brutal, especially when he gets friendly with the girlfriend of a guy with the Yakuza uh, connections and a love of drift races. What? Yeah. So this was Justin Lin's first foyer into the Fast and Furious franchise, and he would also yes. go on to direct uh, four and six, uh, and the first movie that kind of just features a new cast of characters. Um, it did technically well, which is what you want to hear from a movie. <laughs> uh, so it grossed only $62 million, uh domestically uh, in the box office with an $85 million budget, but it did slightly better overseas, bringing in a worldwide gross of $158 million. Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Was this movie released in theaters? <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, no joke? In, no. I always thought it was straight to DVD. <laughs> I cannot believe you are blowing my mind with that <laughs> fact, Ricky. Because, like, in my head, I always thought of this as, like, a fun redemption story for the franchise where, like, Too Fast, Too Furious was kind of like, oh, that was kind of, that was very different from the first one. I don't know how I like about that. Straight to DVD third movie. Whoa. Big audience. People loved it. Boom, we're back in theaters, baby. But you're telling me this franchise never left. Never left. 
Uh, and because it kind of didn't do too well, uh, that's when they did the soft reboot uh, later on, focusing on Dom Toretto and his crew, uh, where the real heart of the Fast and Furious franchise lives. Uh, so speaking of uh, Toretto, Vin Diesel's cameo was done in lieu of payment, but in exchange for the rights to the Chronicles of Riddick, uh, so that he could then go do Riddick uh, in 2013. So that's fascinating. So instead of like getting a check, he said, "I want Riddick," and he got it. See, that's interesting because I was watching this movie with uh, some friends of mine, and they joked that uh, he did it. Vin Diesel did the cameo. Uh, not we all agreed that he didn't do it for money, that he did it for <laughs> something else. We just thought he did it for the car that he, they put him in at the end of the movie. They're just like, you just want this car? Just come <laughs> sit in it and say like a line or two. It's yours, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're telling me he got a different Vin Diesel vehicle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did exactly that. <laughs> uh, the last little kind of fun fact I have about this movie is that um, although um, Brian T. plays DK, the Drift King, the real-life Drift King, Japanese racing legend Tichi Sachia, I want to say is his name, uh, he makes a small appearance as the fisherman in the blue jacket who makes fun of Sean as he's learning to drift near the fish market. Oh, that's amazing. Because I was very curious. I'm like, who are these guys? Like, who are we supposed to think that they are? Like, do we know who they are? And turns out the real life Drift King was there. So I, I've been watching these movies lately with uh, my girlfriend who has been getting me into these animated classics that I've missed out growing up. Like all these like Miyazaki films, all this like Studio Ghibli stuff. All, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's enriched my life. So I've decided to enrich her life with Fast and Furious. <laughs> It fits right in. Uh, they are the exact same level of importance culturally. <laughs> and uh, so we were watching this movie specifically. Uh, and I will say the driving out of the three movies of the franchise this far, the driving in this one is actually really interesting to watch. It's like super impressive. When they were drifting in that parking garage, I'm like, like I literally audibly said after the after DK like went up the stair or like that little yeah. winding circle, I always said he's gonna get himself killed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh no, like that poor kid. <laughs> because like they like because these stunts are being done, and actually like the real life Drift King did most of uh, Lucas Black's stunts. That's uh, amazing. I love that. Like, I I just think that that's so fascinating that that like because even with uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, colon, Judgment Day, they, <laughs> you know, they had a couple of scenes where they would cut to like green screen inside of a car, kind of yes. making it like look and feel like an anime or like they're doing these things that are kind of like impossible shots really mm -hmm. uh but this like i've really felt that they had maybe less than five minutes of like computer graphic stuff like mainly yeah. that opening crash scene when he was slow-mo getting thrown around and that very obvious computer generated tabasco sauce bottle mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i was like oh okay it, yeah, yeah there were look most of the driving most of the stunts were like you could tell were done in camera they were done for real mm -hmm. when they weren't 
it was like you were watching a PlayStation 2 cutscene. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do have to say that this is my first time watching Tokyo Drift. Yes. And I have to say, um, I was oddly impressed. I I know that you say that this is a very divisive movie for it some people. It is pe- divisive, yes. You, uh, g- please give give your backstory out yes. of that. So I, I just watched this movie with no expectation whatsoever. And I, the first time I watched it, years and years ago. And I was like, wow, I really hate this. And I just assumed that everyone hated it. Uh, and it turns out that no, a lot of people really love it as the best one. And I will say it's probably because of the actual driving in it. It's pretty good. However, the reason I hate it so much is because the main actor is horrible (laughs) in every aspect of his existence. He is not charming, but the movie tells us that he's charming. He is, he has like the creepiest like smile when he like smirks at people, (laughs) but the movie tells us that it's like sweet and sincere. And he just, he just has this really grating, like, I don't know this actor very well. I'm imagining he's putting on a fake Southern accent. Cause like, he was like, oh, my character's from Texas. Well then I'm going to do the whole movie like this. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not fun to listen to the saving <gasps> grace of this movie is like the final 45 minutes where I looked up, there's like this big race, there's a, I don't even know, I, I was just glancing around, I'm like, has there been any dialogue for the past 45 minutes? And I don't think there was, and honestly, it was the best part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. First off, what helped me with watching that movie, especially with him, because his, his accent is so distinct, because like, I grew up in Texas, um, I don't know anyone who talks like that. I think yeah. actually his um his little uh aim chat name was Bama Boy, so I think it might be from Alabama. Um, oh, okay. Th- that was is my guess. But also, his dad didn't talk like that. And no, his mom didn't talk like that. So I'm jumping ahead a couple of sections with head cannon. But I think he has that Dexter's Lab disease where <laughs> he <laughs> where he has an unexplained. <laughs> Just foreign accent, yeah, undistinguishable from any of his family. Like, like same with like Stuby Griffin. She's like, why does he have an English accent? So, like, well, no one, like his parents don't like why. Yeah. Why does he talk like this? Yeah, but, but yeah, but the the other thing that made me really, uh, really appreciate this movie is putting it into one of two different categories. One, this movie has all of the telltale signs. Of it being an anime. Um, and I'm just like, this is just an anime, and I'm just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, this is just Karate Kid with cars. Like, it's it is. just Karate Kid with cars. Mm-hmm. And I could get on board with that. And so I just love I'm like, yep, he has to uh he has to crane kick in the form of a drift. It yeah, just sure has does. to happen. <laughs> You're exactly right. It just, it feels, I, did they even mention that at one point? Like, I think someone actually dropped the line, like, wax on, wax off in some yes. capacity. Yeah. So, like, and, and it's clear that Han 
was like meant to be this like Mr. Miyagi type, like taking um Sean Boswell under his wing. I'm sorry, it's like it's not a bad name. I just don't like the character. So anytime I say his name, Sean Boswell. <laughs> um but no, like he's taking him under his wing. I actually thought it was very funny how we're first introduced to Han and he's just kind of like, yeah, this kid, I don't know. He can drive my car. And then he just destroys the car. Cause he doesn't understand how drifting works. I thought that was actually very good. I, yeah. I wish the movie ended there with Sean <laughs> Boswell getting his like embarrassment. That would have been pretty good for me. Oh, and, and I have to say, uh, Bow Wow is also in this movie, a very prominent early 2000s uh, rapper, um, mm-hmm. who at the time is the only high school aged person in the cast. He is 19 yes. at the time. Everyone else is 20 plus, yep. um, in case you couldn't tell yourself. Um, but he, my favorite part of the movie is him getting his hulk car oh yes that hulk car i wanted more than anything else i'm just like okay i get it now i'm not only so on board with this movie like that was a big turning point for me it's like i was like okay it kind of has a oh oh we're we're in hulk car territory here i'm in and i'm in and can i just add the hulk car is the most on-brand car for a franchise called Fast and Furious because Hulk, he's always angry, and when you put him in a car form, he's pretty dang fast. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I just, I just loved it, and the fact that they made it, and I, I did a fair amount of Google searching. It's a one-of-a-kind car, and I need it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Uh, Universal Studios, I uh, I know you have the Fast and Furious ride um, mm-hmm. or experience at Universal Studios would be happy to take that off your hand at any point in time. Do you think that's why they did a Hulk car? Because Universal also has the, distribu- the distribution rights for Hulk as well. Oh, that's well. exactly why they did yeah, it. Yeah, that's fascinating. Hold on. What year did you say this movie came out? Uh, 2006. 2006. When... Mm, no, that's in between Hulk movies at that point. This was a trailer for Ed Norton Hulk movie. Uh, that's what I'm going to choose to believe. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Actually, well, I mean, really, if anything, this firmly puts Fast and Furious inside the MCU. I know we're jumping segments, but hey. Ricky, what was before we were recording, I very specifically asked you to do one thing. <laughs> this is not a joke, listeners. I very specifically told Ricky not to put Fast and Furious into the MCU. That was my one request, and you so, could not even do that. I'm sorry. And we're so not even that deep into this podcast. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Uh, okay, so this was uh, this was not your first time watching this movie. Uh, so watching it again, uh, what did you notice this time that you didn't notice the first time you watched it? Um, I noticed. So I, I watched this movie before I watched later installments of the franchise, and later installments of the franchise are like kind of prequels, so they have more Han in them. Um, so and they give Han a better backstory. So watching this movie again. I realized all these little quirks with Han. I was like, oh, they explain this in a later movie. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, for example, I don't think they talk about it in this movie. 
Uh, but like the reason why Han is always eating stuff, he's always munching on something. They explain that in a later movie, um, I think Fast Five, he someone calls him out on it. Like, why are you always snacking on things? And it's just because he used to be like a smoker. So he's got this kind of like mouth fixation sort of a thing that he always has to be like putting something near his mouth. And I think that's just like a really interesting thing that they like kind of set up in this movie and never talked about for another couple of years, wow. uh, which is really interesting. Uh, and I do like, you had mentioned the director. I didn't know this at the time that that, it, it really does feel like the director of this movie had this grand scheme of what they wanted to do. Like they knew that they were going to bring Han back in some capacity. Um, they knew i don't even want to get into spoiler territory but like han's death comes back in later movies and you see it from different angles and you're just like whoa that's interesting didn't expect to see that sort of a thing so there's lots of twists and turns that i don't want to ruin but you it feels to me like this director had this big vision of what currently is the fast and furious franchise just plant planted seeds all up in here yeah i have it like i am i am chronologically making my way through the fast and furious franchise and honestly like when i first watched the very first fast and furious movie i said what a dumb movie i i hated it i didn't get it and then as i keep on watching i'm just like i get it i i really i understand it more and more now not to say that this movie is not without its faults. I mean, oh, it has many faults, Ricky. I, I mean, one of which, which is, <laughs> but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I would say the opening scene with him racing against uh, the kid from Home Improvement. <laughs> that was my first thought as well. <laughs> I was just like, wait, wait a second, what, what is happening here? Uh, we have a uh, Zachary Ty Bryan uh, mm-hmm. as Clay, and he just shows up and. And that the just classic high school scene of just like me. How about me? Mm-hmm. Winner gets me. And I then, hate that. I hated the, that, Ricky. That that for one just set the tone for another. But like that was that was that scene's Hulk car moment. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, we're in this movie. Got it. That I, was. Because, look, this franchise does not stray away from, like, misogynistic undertones. This was a complete overtone. This was just a movie starting with a a high school teenage girl saying, boys race and you get me. Winner gets me. And I'm like, that's, no. Why would you do that, movie? Why would you make me feel gross? And then I think my favorite moment from just that opening scene was when she says guess i have another date for the prom and the heartbreak that you see on clay's face he has Mm -hmm. a moment where his eyes water up and he's like i gave you my letterman and then he just started then it becomes personal oh yeah uh and i was just like i i cannot wait to see what happens after this and, like, uh. the, there are scenes – they're doing this montage with Sean Boswell in <laughs> in school, in high school. And, like, he looks like a teacher. There are scenes where I'm like, oh, he's not a student. He's a teacher that yeah. works here, right? Yeah. Nope. 
he's a student. He's a 38-year-old, 18-year-old, and, like, it is not good to watch. I I mean, I was, I was baffled by the casting, because the very first scene where you see him, I'm just like, What's the shop teacher? Up, oh, he's the main character, isn't he? Okay, well, yep, yep. He's, and exactly he's gonna be right. in high school. Yep, just checking. I'm just checking. Yeah, are um, you sure, movie? Are you sure that's what you're saying? Oh, we are positive. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite lines of the entire movie is, "It's either this or juvie," and I was like, "Okay, well, we're here." Uh, like so this, this is. Am I crazy, or does Japan sound like an upgrade to his current life? 100%. Before the they said the dad was in the picture, um, I was confused as to, like, what legal system they have. <laughs> it's just like, listen, ma'am, he's going to go to juvie. He, there has to be other options. Hard cut to Japan. Yeah. On the, I'm like, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> there were other options, and the option was all expense paid trip to Japan. That sounds like as a punishment. Pretty, that sounds pretty great to me. Um, but this has been an unofficial segment of uh, "Don't Overthink It" uh, segment of the show, <laughs> where we uh, we 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 tell ourselves just don't overthink it. Just um, overthink it. <laughs> this this movie has like a Rocky Four syndrome, is what I like to call it. Um, Rocky Four is where he faces off against Ivan Drago, the Russian. Uh, and there's the whole training montage where Rocky is like on a mountain or something. He's doing some like old school stuff. And the Russian is like high tech equipment, super expensive, state of the art. That's how he's training. And Rocky ends up beating him in the end because, you know, hard, wet, hard work, you know, uh, sweat on your brow sort of a thing. Like old fashioned. That's the American way. Uh, but in that same timeline in that same movie rocky is a real rich man so he does not need to do that he could have the same state-of-the-art equipment that ivan drago has but the the message they're giving they're getting across is that the american way the old school you know not as high tech but like tough way that's the way to win this movie is about drifting the message they send in the final race of the movie is that, hey, what do you think the best cars to drift in are? <laughs> Does your mind immediately go American muscle? You're absolutely right. Wow. I, uh, I did not get that from that. <laughs> and now I know. <laughs> yeah, because I, I really, like what I got from... <laughs> From the last scene, uh, which is really my headcanon. Maybe the real drift was was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty good. I like that one, too. That, that's what I saw the, the movie to really be <laughs> well, it's about. Just, it's frustrating because I, I like I love that scene when he gets there and he tries drifting for the first time and he just can't do it. And he just he just he's the worst at it. And then the movie goes on to be like. But look at all these cars. You need, like, this specific kind of car. You need to do all this, all these different, you know. And then in the end, he's like, nah, man, me and my dad, we're going to fix up this old muscle car. It's going to be the best drifting car in the whole dang world. And he, that's it. That's exactly what happens. So, you know what? I guess the American way is the best way. That's what I'm getting from this movie. Maybe, maybe let's just not overthink it. Maybe let's just. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I like it. I mm -hmm. like it. 
so now we're going to go into the part of the show. Nay, I'm sorry. I what am I thinking? Now we're going to drift into a new segment. Thank you. You're welcome. Segment that we like to call Head Cannon, the part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie based on evidence provided by the film. Um, so my biggest piece of headcanon, uh, despite you know future movie actual headcanons, that this takes place in 2013 and after Fast 6, I believe. My biggest piece of headcanon is that um, this movie is really a Bow Wow biopic. Um, and this is just a secret story as to how he became a rapper. And Tokyo Drift, which was originally going to be just its own franchise um, after they couldn't get all the same people back at the time for a sequel, is originally just going to be its own franchise. So oh, I think the franchise Tokyo Drift would have uh, then followed uh, Bow Wow's rise to rap them, and he would have had a, um, a great music video career with a remix of his song bounce with me you 90s kids know what i'm talking about his name in the movie was called was twinkie twink yeah twink twinkie what th- those were the names that he called it and i said at first i, I said who is this and then they looked at bow wow and said hey don't worry twink i was like that's his name that's his full name that's his god-given name that is on his birth certificate, mm-hmm. is lo- along with a little, like, car tire mark. Yep, yep, that's, that's exactly right. The doctors were like, hey, parents, you want to <laughs> give this one a second draft? And they were like, nope. We live our lives once. <laughs> <laughs> one baby name at a time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. No, uh, I love this headcanon. It's significantly better than my headcanon. Yours has thought put into it. Very little thought, I might add you. I like that, though. My only headcanon is that the head shape of Sean Boswell reminds me of a young Frankenstein. Uh, so I just like to think that he's a young Frankenstein. Guess that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh man! I mean, yeah, I'm, the, sorry, I'm sorry for ruining your podcast. Like, I really feel like at the time when this movie came out, drifting was what curving the bullet became. Like a few years later, and wanted it became this like very like iconic thing that you didn't know existed, and in itself was like a, just a phenomenon that became like the new thing for like, oh man, like you have to curve the bullet but have you tried drifting the car like they they talked about it like the same kind of mythos so i do also loosely think that drifting is some form of car bending if we're putting it like uh uh last airbender terms Mm -hmm. uh i believe the technical term would be called fender bender the fender bending (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was right there! <laughs> Fender bending! I love it. That's it. That's the head cannon right there. So that's good. I made that same um, observation about like it, it being very similar to curving the bullet. Because like in this movie, they also have this scene where Sean Boswell just can't get it. Like he just can't 
drift very well. So they take him up to a mountain and they're just like, well, we're going to raise the stakes on you. If you can't drift, you're dead. And it's very similar to like when the guy from Wanted couldn't curve the bullet. And they're like, well, now you have to or else you're going to shoot Angelina Jolie in the face. And who wants that? And so you just have to raise the stakes in order for people to finally understand how curving bullets and bending cars works. Oh, that's good. That's solid. Like it's it is like a mythos in itself. Yeah. Like have you ever thought about going beyond drifting? It's like what? We <laughs> said drifting, what's that? It's <laughs> like which I believe is the same accent that Frankenstein had. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I distinctly remember. <laughs> but we all know that that was really how Frankenstein's monster truck sounded. That's um, right. Yep, you got right. it. Nailed it. Yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Uh, if this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Scott, I'll let you go. Yeah, I think if I were to recast, right? So in the beginning, we had Clay, who was played by one of the actors from Home Improvement. Uh, one, of the, one of the sons, like the oldest son from Home Improvement. So I yes. think if we're going to recast, we have to get one of the younger sons from Home Improvement in there. So oh, if Jonathan yeah. Taylor Thomas is available to play an 18-year-old, I think quality, like immediately, it's like a passing of the torch sort of a thing. I think that'd be pretty good. Yeah. Um. All right, if I were to actually recast Sean Boswell as any, have anyone be in that role, I would want someone who does still have kind of a Southern charm to them, but is not as grating to to hear or, or look at. Um, <laughs> I mean, like... Uh, <laughs> I, it feels like I'm like really insulting this guy. Like it's more so just I don't think his acting is particularly good in a lot of instances. Whatever. Um, and I'm trying to think of who I would put in that role as like a nice southern, a nice southern boy. And for reasons that escape me, I can only think of Dennis Quaid. But like that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, use that. Um... Use that um, Gemini Man technology and just get a CGI-faced young Dennis Quaid. I like that idea. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to just do a big old Google search for Southern actors. Well, you made me think of that. Um, The only other Southern actor I know um, is none other than, and he's available right now. Uh, because he just got done with uh, his stint on Big Bang Theory, mm. Jim Parsons. Oh, let's get Jim Parsons in the Fast and Furious series. I I like the idea of Jim Parsons being this really tough, edgy dr- Southern driver man who gets to Japan and is like, I don't understand your drifting. Like that sounds that sounds pretty good to me. I kind of oh, dig that. I mean, can you imagine it? Or I think uh, just to raise the stakes, um, it's it's Jim Parsons narrating his thoughts, but it's the actor who plays him in Young Sheldon as the driver. Um, and so then it has uh, you have Young Sheldon mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. played by um, Ian Armitage. 
Um, and you change no, no, you change nothing other than just the fact that it's all like middle school kids just drifting about. I like, you know what? Let's just, let's go the opposite route where like they, they've got, they've got clearly like 20, 30 something year old people to play teenagers. What if we just get like slightly younger people? What if we just get like the cast of stranger things to be the entire cast of this movie? Yes. I think that would be pretty fun. They're, they're on great. like, we see them on bikes a lot, but what happens if we had two more wheels in an engine? Let's find oh. out. <laughs> I now realize that the only place to go now is to have them trick out their bicycles. And I just want to <laughs> see the Stranger Thing kids just drift yes. on a parking garage at yes. that mall. So um, I think. Uh, Netflix, we've got your season four. Mm-hmm. What's a good pun we could give them, Ricky, for like Stranger Things four? More like Stranger Things floor it. I don't know. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty that's, good. Okay. That, that, that's a good first attempt. That's I good, think That's a good draft. I think it would be um, Stranger... It would be Stranger Things, but it would be like... But, I get what you're saying. That's yeah, pretty yeah. good. That's pretty good. I like that. Uh, or um, Stranger, Too Strange, Four oh. Things, and then equals mm-hmm. eight. Eight. That's good. Well, Make you know, the, st- the show's still about kids, so you have to get, make it educational in some capacity. Right, so. yeah. No, I like that a lot. That's It hits on multiple levels. It hits on multiple fires on all the cylinders, if you know what I'm there saying. There we go. <laughs> and we're back. So for recasting, I think I I love the cast of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home, mm. the main people. Um, I keep on wanting to say uh, Hiddleston, but I recorrected. So uh, Tom Holland and um, Zendaya, I think they would be great. I think they, the chemistry would be just stronger. Because um, I already love them. They are great in uh, just everything that they, everything that they do. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that, that that cast of, you know, the the, high, the main high school cast, I think, would be great as the main people in those roles. I think you're um, right. I think that would be, that would nail it for me, for sure. Could we still, like, could we get Jake Gyllenhaal in there? As, oh yeah. as his like dad as like yes. lucas black's dad yes that's perfect mm-hmm. that's exactly what that's that's it that's mm-hmm. done love it oh universal just the, it's all in the contract you could put mark ruffalo in there you still got hulk rights universal just do it mark ruffalo has to legally he has to do anything that you write the hulk into that's a fact oh man i just want a car that is just mark ruffalo's face (laughs) just his face he's not hulked out or anything it's just mark ruffalo's face in the shape of a car. Ricky. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh. I love that. It, it's it's just Mark Ruffalo in a mocap suit is that car. <laughs> that's it. 
It's just him being like, mm-hmm. I wish I could do like it's like number one, I can't do a Mark Ruffalo impression. Number two, I have to do an impression of Mark Ruffalo through an impression of a car. <laughs> I, I put a tall order in my own lap. Oh, I love it. All right, so now we're going to go to our final segment of the show where we give you our reasons to recommend. Uh, so, Scott, why would you actually recommend The Fast and the Furious colon Tokyo Drift? I think I would recommend this movie, I, and it pains me to say that because I do really uh, dislike the main character so much. That being said, everything except for the main character is pretty dang good. Uh, it's just that... <sighs> Boy, it's it's really hard for a movie to have a protagonist you don't like, because uh, they're, they're kind of like your center focus of the film. Um, but the driving is really good. Uh, the stunts are really interesting. Every other character is is fun to watch. Even the villain is very interesting uh, to to watch and and uh, act. Uh, I actually they t- the movie does this thing that I really appreciate whenever there's a movie in a non-English speaking country where like if it's just two people who are not like who like in the story would not be speaking English they don't like make the actors speak English for the audience so there is like a lot of actual like Japanese that you have to read, which makes the world feel more believable. Uh, so I, I like when movies do that. Um, and I don't know, that seems like a silly thing to compliment, but I, it, it adds a, la- a layer to me. I think this is the movie where we start to see the seeds of what the rest of the Fast and Furious franchise will be. Dom comes back. Dom says, hey, look, I got connections to Han. I got con- Han has connections to the rest of my crew. What would that look like? Let's find out in the next movie. And then we just get prequels that just keep increasing in insanity. And this movie is the one that I think without it, we would not have what we have today. That being said, there are rumors that the next Fast and Furious movie will bring back Sean Boswell. And if they try to replace Paul Walker with Sean Boswell, I will actively scream in the theater. So anyway, it's pretty good. Maybe go to watch. Uh, thank you, Scott, for your very honest uh, reasons to recommend. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie. And I recommend it because um, very rarely in any franchise do you see someone branch out and make a movie that doesn't have most of the original cast, but still is supposed to be a spiritual successor to it and land it this well. Like, I feel like even if they like, if they would have made it into its own thing and, or I should say, if some other studio were to make this movie, Universal would sue the pants off of them. They're just like, that's Fast and Furious. Like, we own that. We do that. Um, and I think that, you know, as far as I've seen, you need two key elements to have a Fast and Furious movie, um, which is basically, it's a musical, but the songs are cars. Um, the, song, it, it, yeah. the songs are racing. It's it's like wrestling, except the vehicle 
pun always intended, mm -hmm. in which they express their emotions is a vehicle. Uh, and that, I think, is what makes the franchise really interesting. And like, because I've never been like a car person. I've never been like, yeah, I sure do love that. That engine that's in that car SUV. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, get, I think I get that. But in this movie, mm -hmm. I was all about like, just like, I hope he makes it. I hope he yeah. wins this race. Like, I I became very invested, and and because of that, I, I definitely would recommend Tokyo Drift because. Um, if you've ever watched Karate Kid and thought, you know what would make this better? Cars. Mm -hmm. Well, they did it. Yeah, it's called Karate Kid. Get it right. <laughs> no, I I never heard the Fast and Furious described as like musicals, but the songs are cars. But there is a scene in this movie where it's Sean Boswell and the character of Neela, I believe is her name, mm -hmm. and they are very like delicately drifting up this mountain on a starry night and like the sound effects are turned down which is something you don't hear a lot in fast and furious movies you don't you don't hear them gay you don't hear them say hey i those tire screeching sounds well maybe let's turn those down a tad that never happens and they did it for here and they have this like beautiful like soothing soundtrack it, it's it is akin to what a musical would have as like a ballad where like these two characters kind of get closer and more emotional and affectionate towards one another and that's exactly what it you're right it's just musicals with cars that's brilliant ricky thank you scott that's what i'm here for mm -hmm. but in the end we really did learn that the drift was inside us all along it's true <laughs> that's what i got out of it you catch my drift <laughs> yes Put a bow on it. We're done. Uh, and that is our review of The Fast and the Furious, colon, Tokyo Drift. Scott, thank you so much for joining us for this. I want to have you on here every single time. And so far, <laughs> we're three for three. Every time we review a Fast and Furious movie, I will do whatever it takes to bring you back. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I always laugh so much when we do these. Scott, where could our listeners find you on the interwebs? You can find me mostly on YouTube. I have a channel called NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. If you like comics and superheroes and just nerdy media analysis of stuff, uh, hopefully you'll go check it out. Uh, and then just Twitter, at uh, NerdSync, or my personal Twitter is at Scott NiceWonder. It's too many letters, like this movie title. <laughs> Please let us know what you remember about Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift on all of our social media, on all places. We are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a five-star rating on your podcasting platform of choice. On a scale of one to five drifts, um, how would you rate this podcast? Not to be confused with a draft, which is bad. Yeah, that's well, when you, that's when you dr drift with your window down. Then it's like, yeah. oh, I'm getting a, I'm getting a drafty drift here. Yeah, I think my my ears are gonna pop. Uh, <laughs> Ricky, are we like too <laughs> hilarious? <laughs> I think that I think that's it, Scott. I think that's it. <laughs> And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. 